Hi, and welcome back to the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. Today, we're happy to welcome Apostolos, founding partner of Venture Friends, a leading European VC firm based out of the beautiful and sunny Greece. Apostolos has been investing and supporting startups since 2010 and is focused on the consumer softwares and marketplaces. Apostolos is a founder turned angel turned VC. If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving it a review and following us on LinkedIn. Want to be on top of who the best up and coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know. Apostolos, welcome to the show. It is so great having you on the European VC. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, very happy to be here. Of course, we just chatted before about the fact that we missed you when we were in Greece because of our mismanagement of our schedules. So that was that was all on us and we're very sorry. But we're happy to now have you with us here and we would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience and, and tell them all about how you got into venture. Yeah, sure. And by the way, I'm, I'm in Greece. It's a destination where somebody doesn't come only once. So I'm sure we're going to be seeing you guys. I was there last year as well. So yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's going to happen again, I'm sure. So on my side, actually, thinking uh, thinking back, uh, things all happened naturally, gradually. I became an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur since 2004. My first startup was e-commerce, then food delivery, doctor-patient marketplace, then gradually became an angel investor. I did many angel investments in Greece and, and internationally. So when I had um, a successful event, which was actually 11 years after the beginning of my journey in, in tech, in 2015, when eFood, the food delivery company I was a co-founder of, was sold to deliver here, that's when, together with a friend of mine, George, we launched Venture Friends. Uh, so the, the first private-only venture capital fund in Greece. So it was very natural. The first fund was 20 million. It was all private. We started backing mostly Greek founders because it was our network and we naturally expanded that. But then we started backing some European founders. So the second fund was a bit more European. Uh, we also got lucky and we founded a great founder in the Middle East, uh, John, the founder of Instashop. So that brought us to the Middle East region, exposed yeah. us to that ecosystem. And then we launched the third fund in uh, just last year, a hundred million. So everything seems gradual, step by step, and quite natural, to be honest. I love the relaxed manner and you're saying it. So like Southern European, very gradual, very relaxed, <laughs> very cool. It, it, it's, relaxed. <laughs> it's relaxed when you say it, but not when you do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very, very simple. Uh, actually, before before going there, uh, I want to ask, uh, why Venture Friends? Why the name? Yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, we we feel uh, very friendly towards ventures. We've been <laughs> entrepreneurs, angel investors, so we wanted a name that has this connotation. But again, I have to give credit to to this friend of mine, John, the founder of InstaShop, who actually came up with the name. He suggested I was discussing with him, and because I was an angel investor in InstaShop, and I was discussing with him about taking the next step and formalizing this angel activity I had uh, in a fund. And we brainstormed names and it was 
So he suggested. Were there other names in the pot that are funny? So I know of a fund today that is very corporate and everyone knows and recognizes. Dominant player in their field and they had Sweaty Palms Ventures, I think it was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the table. So I'd love to hear yours. <laughs> well, to be honest, things move so quickly. We, I literally don't remember the other names we had on the table. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to admit it, but my memory is like very short, short term. So I, I may not tell you the, the, the startups I met with uh, last week. I'm happy to <laughs> found a brother in arms then because David is uh, is struggling to keep me uh, in any way structured because I can't remember. So people usually say, uh, well, you were sick last week, weren't you? Uh, was I? <laughs> exactly. And then like, yeah, from Thursday to Friday, Andreas was sick. He was kind of uh, coming down with, okay. Well, oh, if you say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so before moving into the really big interview, I think we, we would just love our listeners to hear a bit about the Greek ecosystem and why we believe that Greece was actually a cool place to visit. Uh, I think that you can also say that, that there is some cool stuff happening there, but also tell us a bit more about what you think about the democratization of venture in general. Yeah, I mean, I believe that I'm very lucky to have been part of the tech entrepreneurial ecosystem. It is by far the most democratic one. Why? Because first of all, it depends. It's very meritocratic. So based on your work, on the skills that you can acquire, actually in an affordable way, even free, I think knowledge and the way to become a better developer, marketeer, salesperson is out there, available. It's up to you to put in the time and, and improve yourself. So that's the first element. Then if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to take the risk, and you've put in the hard work, the capital that you need in order to launch a tech startup, and it doesn't need to be like a global contender from day one. Uh, when I my first startup was an e-commerce, a local, an aspirational local champion, you can start with limited capital. So that's also a democratizing factor. And finally, even if you need more capital, there are many sources of capital, especially those days where we've seen an increase in the number of seed and pre-seed investors there is just so much capital. Up to six months ago, one could argue that there was even more capital around compared to uh, founders. So I think it's by far the most democratic entrepreneurial activity you can undertake. Couldn't agree more. You can even build the leading VC media platform while hustling. Right? <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> Jokes aside, word on the street, and you didn't tell me this, and I'm not saying it, I was told this, Venture Friends is quite a high-performing fund. It's quite interesting. And what's also quite interesting is you're based out of Greece, this small emerging ecosystem to some extent in Europe. But when we look at your investment activity, well, that's quite interesting. It's quite, it's quite pan-European, if not even global, right? And you said it, but just to restate it, Fund 3 was launched recently, 100 million euro. So that's kind of gives us a nice idea for size as well of the operations. But the natural question is, how the hell do you guys intend to be a global player spanning out of this small Greek-slash-Athens ecosystem? No, that's a great question. And to be honest, we get it a lot. And it's natural. It's normal to ask, how come you invest globally? And indeed, we invest in Latin America, Europe, UK, Middle East. Again, I would say that this happened a bit gradually and naturally. Our angel investment activity started... Uh, we were lucky to be first investors, for instance, in BIT. BIT was the Uber of Greece. The founder had the aspirations and I was lucky to be around and help him go to Latin America. And then from Greece, 
became a dominant player in Peru and then Colombia, Mexico. And that, first of all, showed the opportunity, showed the feasibility of a company starting from Greece and becoming global within a few years, opened up a network in those regions. So the same for us. We started through our angel investment activity, but also as a venture capital fund, we got exposed to the Middle East because of Instashop. Then we invested in JustMob in a few other companies in the region. So we built a brand there. Similarly, we had a network of Greeks in London and we started connecting with other founders. We had a few successful investments that also helped our brand awareness. Obviously, Blue Ground becoming a global player in a unicorn is helping us spread the word about venture friends. We invested in a couple of Spanish startups that then went on to Latin America, like Belvo, great success. So so this is how we built. And, And of course, we took the steps, we invested resources as well. So as a fund... We have a team member, Alistair is based in London, Michal is based in in Warsaw in Poland. So for the next two years, we have people on the ground cultivating their network and increasing the the awareness about venture funds. Just for context, because I think it's interesting, could you just give us the quick rundown of the thesis and strategy of venture funds so then we can kind of deep dive in more specific topics? Yeah, certainly. So because of our experience as as, uh, operators in the consumer marketplace space, that's where we started from. So we even now, uh, those days, we focus on marketplaces, consumer, fintech, which we have done many investments and we've learned a lot about the space, and prop tech, because we have a few successful companies in the space. So I would say that we are a bit specific we are going a bit against the current because many, many funds are focusing on deep tech or dev tool solutions, or yeah. we stick to the things we understand well. And also on those sectors where we have built a network of companies and of founders who can support each other. I'd love to dive deeper on that, build a network. You've said that many times, right? Build a network. That's what got us access. That's what we're, how we're adding value is by, by connecting the dots. Uh, you're investing in regions, right? It's almost a land and expand strategy. I'd love to hear more about that approach. Yeah, it makes sense. And that's the way we believe we create value. So we invest in more companies in a specific sector. So then we learn more about that. But by being partners with more relevant founders, then we can connect each other and have them learn from each other. And it's great if you can invest in fintech, let's say in the UK, but also in Latin America or in Greece. And then all those founders can meet and exchange learnings. And then those founders also act as referral people who would refer other founders. If we do the work that we're supposed to do and we are helpful and positive in our interactions, of course, they will also refer other founders to us. If we go very practical, how do you facilitate this networking between the founders? Because there, there are many different approaches and some do it more structured than others. I'd love to hear more. That's a good point. We haven't found a way to do it. I mean, in a structured way, one aspect of being structured is that, of course, we do an annual event where we bring everybody together and then we may separate and connect people based on affinity, sectoral affinity or geographical affinity because we are a bit different of an animal, Latin, Europe, yeah. Middle East. And then proactively on a case-by-case, when there is a problem that arises with a specific startup, we may connect the specific founder with another founder who has dealt with that problem. So we connect them and they can have a direct connection and talk about specific stuff that are important for both of them. I wanted to ask a bit of a provocative question. Good. I like provocative. (laughs) More focused actually on the Greek ecosystem. And, you know, I'm 
somewhat informed, you will definitely have more information and probably correct me. And I will make a fool out of myself as usual. But (laughs) (laughs) some years back, right, there was this big injection of capital for venture in Greece. Yep. Obviously, you know, Athens being uh, a huge, huge city, (laughs) mostly focused around Athens. My question is, you are, to my knowledge, one of the few players that is really not that focused in, in, you know, nationally only, at least not anymore, right? Yeah, for sure. Do you think that the Greek ecosystem is creating the needed deal flow for the capital that is available? And hidden behind this question, you know, is also obviously what do you think is the maturity level of the ecosystem? What what will we see, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And back in 2018, when this initiative took place, Equifund, and indeed that was the time when six venture capital funds were created, our second one, and then five new. Up until a year ago, it was just us in Greece. And then there were six funds and more than 250 million available for investment. At that time, one could argue that this was a bit more capital compared to the number of founders. But in reality, this is like a chicken and egg. So uh, you need to have the capital also in place over a period of time. And as we know, there is an investment period of three to four years. So within that period, you will eventually get the, the number of founders that can access that funding. And that's what happened. I believe all of the funds eventually deployed their capital So now we're back in a stage where we are active together with a couple of funds, and now new funds, we expect new funds to to come active again. I believe that the ecosystem has matured. There are today at least 20, I would say, Series A companies, so companies that can raise capital and and have a global perspective. And of course, the Greek funds also invest in Greeks around the globe, so that also increases the market. I think we are in in a very good upward spiral uh, there is this reinforcing cycle where we have more capital, more founders, we have yeah. more success stories, more exits. So, you know, in this line, there are sometimes when there's maybe a bit more capital and less founders, but this this changes. And I yeah. think we're in a good place regarding a balance uh, towards the two. I, I, I agree, right? It's development of the ecosystem. As most people know, I'm Portuguese, I'm from Lisbon, and I see that's actually what happened in that ecosystem. And and some of our first guests actually were involved in that development and now have also their own privately owned VC funds as well, kind of really making a difference and and doing great investments. You're investing all across the globe, not only Greece. How is the mix there? How much do you actually do in Greece? To be specific, for instance, with the last fund, we've done 20 investments until now. Four of them were from Greece. And then we had uh, another three, four in the UK, a couple in the Middle East, five, six rest of Europe, and then four, five in Latin. We've gone through a special period with COVID. Everyone knows that. (laughs) I digitized a lot. And also many VC firms realized that things should be done more online. How did COVID impact your Opus Moderandi? And what would you say you learned from it and what do you think that others learned and should stick to but what are you seeing in terms of are people capable of sticking to the good habits that we made during COVID? Yeah, that's a good point. I think it flattened a bit the world. So founders could could access funding from different geographies. It made it more easy, more accessible, probably also more quick. In the past, you needed many physical meetings in order to reach a decision. This was not possible here, so you had to become faster and more efficient Definitely, I think a balance is needed eventually. So you need to have 
also physical interaction before investing. Having said that, we've done many investments where we haven't met the founders yet because of COVID, especially in LATAM, of course, only in LATAM. I think this was the positive uh, outcome of this. We, we all realized we can do with a bit less travel and a bit fewer physical uh, meetings. And this is good, I think, for everyone, for the founders who have more opportunities to get funding from and for the investors who have a, a wider uh, reach. access. Yeah. Reach, yeah. How about the value add there? Because I've been part of funds that, you know, really said, well, the reason why we're the best in this ecosystem is because we're the ones who are there. <laughs> that goes very much against what I believe in myself, and it goes very much against the thesis behind venture friends. So I'd love to hear you, you know, kind of how do you come back on that when LPs say, well, how the hell, why should you get the best deal in, in LATAM? <laughs> Aren't you in Greece? <laughs> no, that, that's a good question. And I'm not going to say that it's black or white. So I think, of course, there is tremendous value to being locally based somewhere. And of course, we're not, we don't claim we are the only valuable and positive investor in a cap table. All we're saying is that We are such an investor. We believe we can add value. What I've seen many times is that it's important to have an investor on the cap table who has been on the entrepreneurial side. Many investors, they don't feel the same agency. They, they don't understand. When they request something, it goes against their interest because the, the founding team and, and the team in general is spending time on things that may not be a priority. I think it, it's helpful There are many funds who have this entrepreneurial DNA as well. We just know that we are one of them. We are a fund that understands agency um, prioritization. Wants to, uh, we're helpful. We are quick. Of course, having a partner who is also local is very important. What we're saying is that in LATAM, for instance, we, there should be an investor who has also local presence. Obviously, they can be more helpful with recruiting, with other things. On our side, we just can complement our business understanding, our sectoral knowledge with our network, and of course with the other founders who are based in the region. So we're just saying that we can't be part of a round. We don't yeah. need to lead a round. That is an approach that works well with smaller fund sizes, but you're 100 million now. It is big. <laughs> how have you developed your thesis over time and, and how have you thought about you know ramping up to this size of a fund have you taken larger ownership stakes now or have you just increased the number of investments we have a hybrid approach right so yes some investments we will get smaller stakes uh, deploy smaller tickets but in other cases where we have local presence for instance in deals in the uk or in greece or in europe in general we, it's much easier for us to ask Uh, and get a higher stake and then deploy more capital. Also, the higher fund size allows us to do more in the subsequent rounds in our winners. Yeah. So we will do pro rata or maybe super pro rata in Series A rounds. And we could also participate in Series A rounds if it's a very compelling case that would still allow for this upside we're looking for. I think with this one, we're going to do between 25 and 30 investments, which is a bit more than we typically do. And we will also support some very strong startups from Greece that raised a bit larger rounds. They raised their Series A rounds. We have already, already been part of them. We knew them. So we did a couple of crossovers, always when there was another lead investor setting the terms. 
But we supported some outlier companies. We have done it in the past as well with, with Blue Ground and then Spot Wheel and, and Welcome Pickups, but we also did it now with uh, Flexcar, for instance. Companies we knew that they will have global potential, very high outcomes. So we're happy to come in a bit later and deploy more capital. So if the question is whether we will be able to efficiently deploy 100, 100 million, I can tell you we've already done like 40% of that. And <laughs> we're actually seeing more opportunities than uh, we are a bit you know, stressed with the level of opportunity we're looking at. It's actually interesting because um, now I'm asking a provocative question. Ah, 40% deployed? And you're, what, one and a half year in, in fund? Yeah. Yes, yes. It means that you've been uh, paying at the most expensive time <laughs> uh, with 40% of the fund. How are you thinking about that? Well, that's a very good question. And uh, the answer to that is that because we have this DNA, this bootstrapped entrepreneurial DNA, we, we never paid high valuations. We were never lured by the sirens of uh, high-profile rounds and very high valuations. So we feel very confident about the rounds we have led and the valuations that we have entered. Is that also a bit part of the strategy, given that you are, yes, you are pan-European and you're global, and it can sound like, okay, then you're doing a bit of San Francisco and a bit of London, a bit of Berlin. But is it actually the opposite, that yes, we are in the Americas, but we only stick to the Southern Americas? Exactly. So we didn't do much in the hyped regions. So we, we wouldn't invest in North Europe or France, uh, not even Berlin. London, yes, but then again, not at the overhyped uh, rounds. So generally, we invest in the peripheral ecosystems like Spain, Portugal, Eastern Europe, South America, Middle East, where valuations shot up a bit, but we kept uh, a more disciplined approach. I want to ask you before we uh, move on to the last section, what trends excite you in the venture world these days? I'm getting excited by people, and sometimes I, I get excited by sectors that were I was completely oblivious to, just because I meet the right people, and then they excite me about stuff that typically other people don't get excited. So I am excited by car subscription, and it seems nobody else is excited by it. But for instance, I've seen a, a great founder of ours, a founder of Flexcar, doing a great business in Greece, Italy, expanding with great uh, unit economics. And this is not like some new business model or, or exciting business model. And then we did another investment in shipping. And one can say shipping is an old-fashioned industry dominated by old-school people. But yet, there is so much room for digitization in the space. And if somebody can bring the shipping understanding with the technology and match it with technology know-how, great things can happen. So I, I get excited by specific business models and, and people rather than uh, general trends like, uh, I don't know, mental health or future of work and those. Uh, yeah. I'm curious to ask because I know that you have in your LP base an LP that, that is also active in the shipping industry. And I'd love to hear how you think about using your LPs to add value to the founders. I mean, we're very synergistic. So we're always thinking about the best interests of everyone. So RLPs, first of all, they want to invest in, in great companies and, of course, get the alpha, the returns, but they may also want to invest directly. And some of them, have we, we offer those opportunities. We allow them to invest directly in startups. And then we connect them with those startups when the startups have a, a service that is relevant for them, which is exactly the case now. So this company, Harbor Lab, is going to offer the service to all our, uh, to the shipping companies. And we know we're gonna be, it's going to be useful for them. 
It's something that I also expect that once you've cracked how it works, and then it's actually stories that you can use to also expand the LP base to others and tell that success story. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because um, many LPs are interested in not only returns, but also education. They want to be kept on top of what's happening in the tech world. They want to know about trends and about interesting business models. And of course, synergies with their business. Many of them are running businesses and they want to connect. And we've seen it with other companies like uh, Welcome Pickups connected with the GNA lines. And now there's an integration. When you book your flight, you can book your Welcome Pickup. Uh, And that's (laughs) win-win. Given this conversation, you are global. What about your LP base? Is it uh, primarily Greek or...? That's a good point. We started primarily Greek, but then it expanded. And now we have um, investors from the Middle East. Uh, We have some sovereign wealth funds, but also LPs, family offices from the Middle East, a couple from the US, a couple from the UK. So that has also uh, gradually expanded. But yes, I would say that still the majority uh, has some affiliation with Greece. Yeah, of course. Apostolos, it's time for the quick fire round. And the quick fire round is the last section of each episode where we ask quick answer questions, 30 to 60 seconds each. Are you ready? Yeah, of course I'm ready. So the first question we kind of spoke about, so I'm going to have to wing it. So the first question I'm going to ask is completely different from what's scripted. So good luck. And it is, what's the most counterintuitive thing you've learned since you started working in venture? I think as an entrepreneur, and I, uh, we, we think as entrepreneurs, as a team, I would say, and for instance, we have invested significant percentage of our fund in commerce we really believed in. So we invested like 20% of the first fund and 20% of the second in blue ground, uh, which is totally counterintuitive. And I, I, I've talked to other funds and nobody has ever done that. But this is something we, we felt strongly about it was both opportunistic, but also a necessity for us to support the yeah. company at various stages yeah. of the life. So, so this is one of the things I've done, and it, seemingly it has worked out very well for yeah. us. That's ah, interesting, actually. Uh, it's a significant percentage. Yeah, and I think we need to pause the, the quick fire and, uh, and dive a bit deeper on that, because I am sure that required some conversations with LPs as well. I'd love to hear your thought process going through that. Tell us more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy to. Happy to. To be honest, we didn't really discusses with LPs, we had the option just because we had, I mean, in the, for the second fund, we had to ask from the advisory board, but it, this is not all LPs, yeah. it's like yeah. three LPs who, who are very close to us. They really believed in us. It was our second fund. In the first fund, we just asked nobody. We just did it because we, we had a very strong conviction. Yeah. And of course, it's easy to say now that it worked out because the company is doing so well. But at the time, of course, we felt the stress. Likewise, the second time. And of course, Corona came and again, it shook us a bit, but uh, everything worked out very well. And you know, this is an important point that we can discuss here is about building trust with the founder. So when there is a relationship that is built on trust, when the founding team is is very open about the difficulties they go through and then you you see eye to eye, then you also get more confidence because you're not there on the day to day. But if you have built this relationship of trust, you're willing to go the extra mile when it's needed. And I think that's an important uh, lesson for both GPs and founders, and actually mostly for founders, because it's up to the founders to open up, be transparent, be open, and create this trusting relationship. And that is the perfect sentence to get us back on track to the quick fire round to the second question, which is <laughs> top tips to emerging VCs who are out there across Europe, out and about fundraising. Trust is one. Other tips? I think the key tip is think 
like the person you're asking the money from. And that's what I did with my partner. We said, let's do venture friends. So we went out to potential LPs and, and told them, we have been entrepreneurs. So you, you need to either be an entrepreneur, which means you understand what it takes. You need to have been an angel investor. Otherwise, at the very minimum, you need to have invested your own capital. You need to have lost capital because that's the only way you learn. You, sometimes we all think we know everything, but in reality, uh, what teaches us a lesson is the market and the market is, uh, you know, ruthless. You only learn by failing, right? Truly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's what stays with you. So if you have that kind of history where you have built something or you have invested capital and you have proven that you have a kind of a track record as an angel investor, then you should have the confidence and go out and say, you know, I have risked my capital. Now I'm going to take this extra responsibility and risk other people's money. If you have those things in place, and of course you can show that you have a network. Oh, by the way, why not a pipeline? Like some first investments you're very excited about. Yeah. This will be my first three, four investments. That's what any LP would have liked to see in a managing manager. Third and final question is, what can we expect in the future from Apostolos and obviously Venture Friends? I think we can ex you can expect us to grow more, to have more companies we have supported uh, grow in size and in global reach. Hopefully us becoming like a bigger team and more successful. I'm not going to say like extraordinary things, but because we're always taking, as I said, like a very staged approach. Yeah. So we, we take some risk, we test how it goes, and then we, we expand based on that. I think we're in a good place and we're happy with the first results. Rumors that you can be. So congratulations, <laughs> Apostles, on your great performance. And thank you for joining us today at the European VC. It was awesome having you with us. Likewise, guys. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love our show, share it with your friends and join us in the EU VC community syndicates at theeuropeanvc.com. Want to be on top of who the best up and coming emerging VCs in Europe are and maybe even invest with them? Register for our newsletter at theemergingvc.substack.com and be the first to get in the know.